Welcome to Palmcast. This podcast, our sponsors are Indie Untangled. You may have heard chatter about the Indie Untangled Rhinebeck Trunk Show, but Indie Untangled is so much more than a popular kickoff event for the New York Sheep and Wool Festival. The online Indie Untangled marketplace and weekly newsletter allow you to discover new dyers, designers, and makers, and also help you keep track of their shop updates, so you'll never miss out on buying your favourite colourways or kits. Indie Untangled also does fun collaborations, including the Where We Knit Yarn Club and the Knitting Our National Park series, for which dyers create exclusive colourways inspired by the natural beauty of the US. They're untangling the indie fibre world one post at a time. And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by POMPOM Quarterly, slash POMPOM Press, slash <laughs> Lydia and Sophie. I'm Lydia and this is Sophie. Hi, welcome. Uh, so we're here every month and this month as per usual to talk about knitting and crafts and things we like. Indeed, in that order. <laughs> Sometimes in a different order. Um, we are currently in the POMPOM offices, which is in London. And the UK is experiencing a heatwave, so we're feeling pretty sunny and hot. We are. It's been, I think, the sunniest, warmest summer I can remember. And today it is supposed to get up to about 35 degrees Celsius, at least, in London. Yeah. And I know, we're we're Brits, we're talking about the weather, right? But seriously, this is a phenomenon, guys. You know, this isn't the usual kind of summer we'd expect. No, and it's it's not just actually that it's warm, it's that it hasn't rained, really. For about a month. Over a month. It's rained a little tiny bit, maybe like once a month or something. But um, I was away for the past week, which will be discussed more later. Yes. And when I got back, or like this morning, when I saw um, sort of, you know, little patches of grass on the way in, like, you know, uh, sort of like roundabouts or whatever, they were just like straw. Mm. Just everything is dead. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Today I saw a patch of grass. <laughs> this is actually, um, I don't know if you saw this in the news because you've been away. One of my favourite things that is a, sort of a weird byproduct of this heat wave is that there is loads of ancient settlements that are appearing in the grass because um, the foundations obviously go much deeper mm. because it's you know, underground and like the settlements of you know land over time, which is why everything's underground, right? The old stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is a like time team archaeology on the podcast. The old stuff's underground, right? <laughs> but uh, the grass is greener because it has a, a deeper root. Right. So uh, where the grass is greener and everything else is sort of completely parched, it's showing the the layouts of all these like ancient settlements. And uh, the National Trust did an interesting thing when they had aerial photographs of lots of their grounds where they were able to see like old layouts of gardens or like old buildings had like burnt down and they were able to like compare it to the old plans that they had for the houses. I think it's fascinating, this bizarre thing that you wouldn't expect from a heat wave. And no, not at all. All these aerial photographs are sort of showing Yeah, it's a little bit of history. Something to look up? Yeah, I think <laughs> like telling everyone like, how are you? It's hot. By the way it is a big topic of conversation here, though, how hot it is. <laughs> Bloody hell, <yeah. laughs> So uh, now that we've got the weather out of the way, we can, well, should we do a little signpost? Yeah. 
So what you can expect from this episode, welcome, welcome back, welcome if you're joining in for the first time. We'll be catching up with news, uh, what's going on in Pomland, uh, what you can expect and what's happening right now, um, new publications and fun things like that. Mm-hmm. We've got Tell and Tell, we tell each other and you guys what we have been up to. Um, we've got an interview with Dana Williams-Johnson, who you might recognise from our Instagram feed. She did an amazing version of Jerumi Jumper for her and her dog. Um, we thought she's an interesting character let's get her on the podcast so we have a fun chat with her Uh, we have text files uh, unpicking the seams of uh, words one knit at a time (laughs) and our top three which is what we like to end with top three of ranking things that we like Mm -hmm, let's just uh, dive into that cool pool that is uh, news (laughs) a refreshing oasis of news Uh, so I guess our main news well we're prepping for autumn mm-hmm. of course because even though it's mega mega hot now guys it's not going to stay hot and the uh, next edition of Pom Pom issue 26 will be out very soon mm-hmm. uh, and it is the autumn one indeed and it has a very uh, well it's a theme that I think everybody here is very excited about everyone at PPHQ um, and it is the moon. Yeah, our lunar issue. So if you're listening to this podcast now at the end of the month, uh, well, you don't have to wait a day to see uh, that the pre-order is up. And of course, you can also secure yourself a little slice of pom for a whole year with a subscription. Um, but yeah, like Lydia said, we've got a lunar issue. Moons, all <laughs> like beautiful twilight colours, mm-hmm. bit of metallic, uh, some mohair. Plenty of mohair. For some reason to us, that was quite moon related yeah i think we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast but we're still very excited guys and also as it happens there's a lunar eclipse this friday oh and tomorrow in fact yeah where there'll be a blood moon so of course we're very grateful to the moon and the sky for organizing a blood moon uh eclipse just to welcome the lunar issue Mm -hmm. so uh yeah thanks for pulling those strings Uh, thanks moon (laughs) also coming up we have well Obviously, after autumn, there comes winter. And a uh, winter issue we've just uh, revealed if you follow our social media channels. Um, our guest editor is none other than Nora Gorn. Uh, if you don't know Nora Gorn, that's fine. It's uh, very exciting for you to discover her. And uh, she is well known um, in the knitting world for her intricate cable designs. And she has a real way with cable. She's like the cable whisperer. Is that fair to say? She is. Um, And I think it was last year, but in the last couple of years at least, she released her uh, knitted cable source book, which uh, everybody was, of course, very excited about because if you get to see a little insight into how Nora Gorn creates cables and designs and get to have a little bit of her cable magic to work with, I mean, you know, there's nothing more exciting for the average cable knitter. So, yeah, we invited her to um, guest edit our winter issue. And we're very excited to show you guys the results. Mm -hmm. So that's coming uh, in October. Yeah, so it's a while. (laughs) Uh, Also coming in October, um, guys, you've got to get your needles ready for all the stuff we've got. (laughs) Very exciting. Um, We have Knits About Winter, which is our book with Emily Foden, which we've talked about quite a little bit already. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's coming to fruition, guys. Like, you know... Those books are coming out of the printer pretty they're, damn soon. They're actually, yeah, so um, actually just before I went away, so last week, uh, Amy and I went to just outside of London, near Gatwick, for anyone who's interested, <laughs> to where uh, the book was being printed, and we got to see it in action, or the printers in action, 
um, and everything's looking very beautiful. And again, we can't wait to show the people. I've been knitting a few things from the book. We can come back to that. But yeah, so in this heat wave, we are preparing for winter. Yeah. And you might be asking, where am I going to see all these things in one handy place? Well, we're going to be at Rhinebeck again this year. Rhinebeck Sheep and Wool, uh, which is October the 23rd and 4th mm-hmm. of October. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying that month again in case you didn't catch it. And the whole POM team's going to be there. So you can see uh, all these new publications we've got. Uh, we'll have signings. Obviously, we'll have more info a little closer to the time. But, um, you know... If that's uh, your neck of the woods, or even if it's not, why not have a road trip? And uh, you can see all the sheeps and peeps at Rhinebeck. Uh, we'll also be involved in the Indian Tangled uh, Marketplace, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, who have been our kind sponsors. This podcast There's still a couple of tickets up for grabs. Uh, we'll put links to that on the blog post. Uh, so you can come join in all the fun. <laughs> tell it's like show and tell but uh you you know the drill by now guys um lydia what have you been knitting so as i hinted uh just now we were talking about knits about winter i've been um knitting socks even though it's very warm and i keep meaning to because i was very excited about making things from issue 25 um our wonderful summer issue featuring lots of striped goodness but i've been trying to use my stash yarns yep um, and I didn't have a lot of summer stash yarn, not going to lie. Uh, and then I just got into a real sock groove because I really love um, Emily Foden's sock patterns. And obviously I am very excited to have many sneak peeks at this book and to be allowed to uh, use the patterns in advance. So I've been, um, yeah, knitting socks, kind of background socks, you know. We've talked about you know, this concept, you have your background knitting, something that's just kind of chugging along. Mm-hmm. You can pick up, put down, not too much stress. Yeah. So mostly that, really, just lots of background socks. Nice. How about you? I have somewhat slowed on my knitting production at the moment. Due to the heat, I never thought I'd be able to say it's too hot to knit. <gasps> I, last podcast, I had plans to get like a few garments on the needle. I was very excited. I was talking about Vara. I was talking about Soiree. Mm-hmm. And um, I have reverted to knitting uh, baby hats, because that's, uh, that's what the, my temperature needs right now. <laughs> I'm using a free pattern... From Pearl Soho, which is like a garter stitch baby hat. I think it's basically called that. If you Google Pearl Soho garter, it comes up. Mm. Um, that's like a nice bite-sized project. Also background, but also bite-sized. Um, so that's basically what my knitting is at the moment. I'm, I'm happy <laughs> with that. It's using a lot of stash. Yeah. Tick. Yeah. Small and cool. <laughs> In both senses of the world. In all possible senses yeah. of the word cool. Um, but I did, I finished a skirt the other weekend, yeah. like a, a non-knitting, but a sewing project. Um, so this kind of just leads into like general Lydia news, but, uh, I attended a friend's wedding the weekend before last. Yes. It was very recently. It feels like a long time ago. Um, and yes. for this wedding. The wed- heat will do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, for this wedding, I, uh, basically it was, I think it was mm, last year I made a sort of matching a uh, skirt and top set from some really lovely um, Indian block printed cotton that I bought from Merchant and Mills. They're not Merchant and Mills patterns that I used. Uh, I got like a vintage. <laughs> I know. There's, I got like a sort of reissue of like a 70s skirt pattern buttons down the front and then just made a simple top. 
And I had pretty much finished this last year and then realized that I'd uh, messed up the waistband. And since then, I've been like, yeah, I'll fix it soon. And then the day before the wedding, I was like, I want to wear that skirt to the wedding. Something like uh, <laughs> a deadline to help you finish the project. Exactly. So I did finish it and I did get to wear it. It's not the finest piece of sewing anyone's ever done. And in fact, I think I'll probably think I've got enough fabric to just completely remake the waistband. And I think in the long run, that might be the wisest decision because at the moment it's um, pretty fudged. That's fair to say, but it definitely held up for the day, and I did lots of dancing. Nice. And I didn't fall off or anything. Uh, <laughs> that was a different kind of dance. During the evening. Exactly. Um, but it was a really lovely wedding, and I also had to make a cake for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Not the wedding cake, but um, my very clever friends who were getting married decided to have a cake buffet. That's great. And they invited uh, 10 of their friends, and I was one of them, uh, to each make a cake. And then they had just like this beautiful table covered in all these different cakes. And it meant that there were, you know, different options for different dietary requirements or just different, you know, fave. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has different fave cake. Uh, And I also sang. So I was doing many, many things. But luckily, I managed to do all of them. And it was a beautiful day. This is like uh, your portfolio of creativity, (laughs) like in one day. Like, here's the things I like doing. And doing my spare time (laughs) presented yeah it felt pretty good it was uh, a really lovely day and i mean the weather was very warm and sunny obviously because it's never rained here ever apparently but yeah it was really nice it was my first it was i think the first wedding i have attended of a very very close friend mm. um so that was very exciting and lovely oh We've done a bit of quilting, actually. Have you? Yeah, I was saying I'm not knitting. I've been trying to learn how to quilt because I haven't. I don't know. I understood the concept. Sure. But I think that's the thing. You're like, yeah, yeah, I can make a quilt. And then there was lots of hiccups along the way where mm. I realised when I did more research, I was like, oh, that's the thing you need to do to tweak it. Like, I'm, I've made a quilt, but I've learned so much about like which direction you press fabric and. Uh, like things for doing like bindings lots of mm. like things you can only learn by doing I think because I did them a little wonky <laughs> so that's been that's been good it's a good learning learning curve I like to make more quilts and I've um, basically made a tiny baby quilt it's tinier than I expected <laughs> which has uh, something to do with my converting of inches to centimetres because uh, obviously quilting's mostly done in inches uh, <laughs> everything I've read was so that's uh, my higgledy piggledy uh Journey quilting. Well, I was wanting to start some quilting, so maybe we can exchange some yeah. uh, quilt tips. Some quilt tips, exactly. Yeah, that's one of the things I've been doing is just cutting out squares when I've got like a spare hour. Right. Like, do, 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 cut out squares. And I sort of thought, I mean, because I'm making literally the simplest possible, yeah. like just a patchwork quilt, and they're not even, the squares aren't that small. Mm. In retrospect, I could have even made them bigger and probably should have, but I didn't. And I've now got about a third of the squares, and I feel like I've cut out a lot. And I'm like, why do I still need to cut out squares? I've already cut out so many. So that's taking a while. Yeah. Who, who, who'd have thought it? I know. Who'd have thought, who thought crafting took time? It's very confusing. Johnson. Um, as I said, we uh, we found out about her via Instagram. And she was brought to our attention because she had made a Darumi, which is the cover star of issue 24. We thought, that's cool. 
We love regramming a good knit. Um, the actual special uh, thing with this was that uh, she knitted her dog a matching version. And um, if you haven't seen the picture, a quick description would be that it's a very joyful picture yeah. of Dana wearing this like beautiful jumper she's knitted and the beautiful little matching one. And we thought it was wonderful. And I guess everyone else did too, because yeah. it was uh, much beloved in the Instagram world. So we got her, uh, I was going to say, we got her on the telephone. We got her on, <laughs> got her on Skype chat. And um, yeah, she said some, I don't know, very, I felt like very positive and glowing after chatting to her. It was just... A confirmation of the good community that the knitting world makes and sort of her her thoughts on visibility and having a voice um, and, you know, without sounding frivolous, and the fun things that you can knit things for your dog. Uh, <laughs> you know, she had some things which I think uh, everyone will sort of draw something from. Uh, so enjoy this chat and thanks Dana for coming on the podcast. joined via Skype with Dana Williams-Johnson. Um, so hi Dana, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, nice to meet you. What do you sort of, uh, what, what is your kind of, when people say what do you do, what do you kind of tell them? Um, so for the last seven years I've been uh, essentially a social media, a director of social media um, and an adjunct professor. I teach social media marketing, digital marketing. But actually, as of this uh, August, I'm just going to be a full-time professor um, moving forward. New chapter, super excited. Um, love my students and being in higher ed. But that's now what most people will know me as. Prof- so Professor DWJ is what a lot of my students call me. All right. Okay. <laughs> Very official. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. So... That's your that's your day job, but we want to talk to you about knitting, obviously. Um, so I'm interested in like starting in the beginning, sort of what your earliest knitting memories were, and then sort of now how knitting feature in your life. So I think a lot of people are surprised to find out that I learned how to knit in 2011. So I haven't. It's only been seven years. I haven't been knitting for very long. Um, I've always been really artistic and creative, and you know I like photography. I'm not that great of a sewer. I can do enough. Um, I paint uh, in the past uh, a little bit of everything. Um, and I was in publishing for a really long time. And I worked with students in publishing. But uh, knitting was one of those things that I kind of was always like, oh, I kind of want to learn that. Like, that 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 looks kind of cool. And it also helps with the fact that I feel like I have a, a large head. And so hats are always a problem for me. So I decided like, oh no, I want to learn how to knit so I can knit myself a hat and the colors that I want and the size that I need. Um, so I found a Groupon, took lessons. Um, and then I always think the funniest, earliest memory for me was when I was taking lessons. I asked my teacher, are you supposed to feel like you're going to vomit when you're knitting? And she was like, I need you to really calm down. Like, you need to just enjoy this um, and relax and don't worry about being perfect. Just 
just figure it out. Just learn this stitch. Just figure it out. And then kind of after I kind of let it go, I'm very, I'm kind of type A. I'm, I'm a Virgo. I like quarterly things. Um, but kind of after that, I, I, I eased up and it just became this thing I loved. And I got hooked. Fantastic. And so knitting is now obviously a daily part of the routine and you've sort of incorporated that with you know your blog yells of happiness and uh we found you obviously via instagram how is the online community sort of added to your knitting experience so i um i used to have a blog back in the day when i was in grad school like 2008 I had a really great fun blog back then um and that's actually how i ended up getting into social media for my day job um and and then i stopped i didn't feel like i had anything to say didn't feel like i had a voice and so um once I really got into knitting and really started to learn different techniques, I started reading other people's blogs and going on social media and it kind of just blossomed. And I felt like, you know what? I have a voice too. I feel like I have a different perspective or I, I don't, um, you know, there, uh, there's always been, there, well, there's been more talk lately about women of color being present in a lot of things. I didn't necessarily see a bunch of women of color who were blogging about knitting. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I have a voice. I can say something. I can, you know, throw my hat in the ring into this blogging thing. And so. You're perfectly knitted, correct size hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I just was like, I, I feel like um, this will help me find more people um, who like what I like. And I tell people all the time, I never knew that yarn people were this awesome. Um, I have never been a part of such a wonderful, warm and inclusive group of women in my life um, based around all the women that I know either online or men in person or at my local yarn shops or even just women who stop me when they see me knitting in public. And um, it's been amazing. And so I have gotten so much joy and new friends and this great sense of community just from knitting. Like, who thought Le- wanting to learn how to make a hat was going to turn into this amazing community of people who you have a question, they will help you find an answer. If you're scared about something, they will encourage you. Um, and, and that's so cool to me. And even how people tell me, oh, your choice of color palettes inspires me or I love that you're as obsessed with your dogs as I am. Glad to know there are other people out there like me. Um, so that's been really, really cool for me. That's yeah. been awesome. Amazing. Well, I'm not to like, you know, make it all go to your head, but I think your post that we regrammed was one of our like most liked and commented on things of the year. <laughs> I think ever maybe. <laughs> like how how does that feel? Like how have you like that reaction from like an online community? Like how does that make you feel? I tell people all the time, I'm always surprised when I just get a comment on the blog. And normally I get um, lots, I get lots of feedback. I get lots of comments. Um, I've been featured on the Ravelry homepage a couple times. So that has flooded my inbox too. Um, and it's, it's overwhelming because I don't necessarily like, I don't want to, I feel like I don't want to be braggy. I'm just sharing things that I like or things that I love. Um, and then when you get so much attention, it can be slightly overwhelming. Sure. Um, but then I also realized it's, it's all really positive. Like no one's replying back like, well, that was stupid. She needed her dog a sweater. People are like, Oh my God, this made me smile or this made my day. And that's when you, you'd say, you know, there's so many 
trolls or negative things that are out there on the internet, I try to put out. I mean, that's why I named my blog Yards of Happiness. I try to put happiness out there for my little piece of the internet. And so I get that back now from people. So, and that picture of me and uh, that's one of my two dogs. That was Jelly Bean in the Daruming. Um, that was actually an outtake. And I thought it was so funny the way she was mid yawn, but it looked like she was screaming too. And I was like, well, I send to my best friend. She's like, that's the picture you share. She's like, that is too adorable. That's too funny. I was like, yeah, this is, I think the one that I'll post when I post about finishing the sweater. And it just kind of between you guys. And then, um, Kay from Mason takes yeah. the knitting. <laughs> she reposted it. And then so many other people reposted it. And people tell me, I saw you on Instagram. <laughs> it's like my suggested. I was like, oh, yeah, that me and Bean. Me and Bean in our sweaters. <laughs> Who knew? So you've got two dogs. That was Bean, uh, Jelly Bean? That was Jelly Bean. Um, Jelly Bean is almost six. Um We've had her since 2016. My other dog, Cher, who also gets sweaters, not as many, is she just turned 14. We got her in 2013. Cher is a Chihuahua pug mix. She's a little bit bigger. Um, Jelly Bean is a five-pound short-haired Chihuahua who has no hair on her belly and is always cold. So even in the summertime with AC on in the house, she usually has on a T-shirt. So that's why when I had, and I'm one of those people who wants to use up all the yarn, in a skein. So whenever I've left over and I had left over from the room, I was like, Oh, well, being you're right here. Let's make you a tiny version while we're at it. Like, it's just the kind of natural thing. Cause they lay on my yarn while I'm making it and they think it's pillows and they think it's soft and cozy. So if they specifically dig into a yarn a lot, then I'm really gonna make them something with it. Um, and I think Cher has a, there's a cream colored sweater with like rainbow flecks of tweed in it that my husband says she looks like a little grandma in it when she wears it, but it's her favorite. And if you try and take it off of Cher, she won't let you take it off of her. So, I mean, this is good. I was going to ask if the dogs appreciate the knits and it sounds like, although it's started as a practical thing, they actually love it as well. I think they do. I think it's this, uh, you know, we have tons of blankets all over the house because of them. And we have heated beds in the house because they're both small shares. 13 pounds um and so for them it's really about i want them to be comfortable and warm share in the summertime can overheat so she doesn't wear clothes in the summertime but as soon as it starts to get brisk she's got sweaters and 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 sweatshirts and whatnot that i will put on them in a heartbeat so it was kind of this thing of well i have to and then um people have kind of fallen in love with our holiday photos because we all kind of were coordinating sweaters that i make so then that takes it to another level of over the top, but yet still super fun for me um, and makes people laugh when they get our Christmas card. Like, I can't believe she knit matching sweaters for the dogs, too, to match what they're wearing. I think it's amazing. I mean, we love it. Um, I was going to sort of ask, I mean, you've talked about, like, you know, the joy you get from knitting and, like, there's the practical element for the dogs. But, um, and, like, I suppose people will ask, like, why make a dog jumper? And it's obviously, like, because I can. But what is the, like, what's the spark that, like, uh, for making for you? Why why is it so integral to, like, who you are? So, actually, I had, I had a girlfriend who... Um, when she first found out she was pregnant, she has that uh, morning sickness that is, they'll put you in the hospital and um, it lasts the entire pregnancy. She was super duper sick. She's like a little sister of me. 
she told me very early on in her pregnancy that she was sick because um, that she was pregnant because she was sick. And she was like, I really need extra support and love. And I decided, you know, we didn't know the sex of the baby. And I just said, I'm going to knit her a little cardigan um, to kind of perk her up. And I had another friend who happened to be in town and was with me. And she said to me, why would you knit? Like, that's a waste of time to knit a, a, ba- a cardigan for a newborn baby that you know is going to grow out of it. And I, and I said to her, it's not a waste of time to give love. And for me, that's really kind of what it is. I don't knit for everybody. I knit for family, very close friends. Um, and I wanted her to know that I cared and that I was there and that I was excited about this baby. And I knew that she was scared and super sick, but I wanted her to know that I'm your support system. I'm here. And so she, when I gave it to her, she just kind of held this cardigan up and was just like, there's going to be a person in there. And I'm like, yes. And and this is why I want you to know, like, I'm thinking about this little person already. And her baby was born in January. And then anytime they posted a picture, that entire spring, I saw that baby in that little red and gray cardigan, which tickled me to death. But also she would tell me, you know, I think about you every morning when it gets cold and I reach for that cardigan. Um, and now that little girl is three and has a little sister and her little sister got handed me down that cardigan too. And so for me, it really, it's a way for me to express, it's a way for me to express myself creatively, but it's also a way for me to show love. Um, and so I, I, I tell people all the time, like I, I stitch a lot of love in all these pieces. I think about the person, where they are, the type of yarn, the pattern, the color palette, the yarn care, like all of that matters to me. And it's my way of saying, I'm thinking of you. And I hope when you swallow your baby in a blanket or put your kid and dogs in matching sweaters knit by Auntie Dana, that you know that I love you and that I'm thinking of you. So, so I'm sure so many people can identify that just because it's, yeah, it's, it's your time as well as your love. And that's, you know, often so, such a precious thing. Yeah, I think people forget that the time that you put into it, and I'm a fairly quick knitter. Mm. Um, I mean, I knit a lot and knit every day, and I'm fairly fast, but there's still an element of time that I sat down and said, with purpose and intention, I'm making this for you. Yeah, and even the time, like, before, like, you've put in, like, learning to knit, and even if you are, say, a quick knitter and a, a baby jumper's like, yeah, okay, it's a couple of evenings work. It's that yeah, that intention and love. I guess, yeah, it's such a, a great way of putting it. It's about caring for people. And, you know, my dad, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. And my dad was always a person who was like, the world needs more kindness. The world needs more love. And he was forever giving of himself to other people. And so that's just kind of my little way to show the people that I'm super close to, like, I love you. I care about you. I, want, I have a, a former grad assistant who's like a brother to me who I knit hats for and he likes one specific hat, but in varying colors. And I'm tickled because I realized like that hat is love. It's me making sure that he's warm in the winter and that he's protected and safe. And that I don't see him as often as I used to when he moved away, but I made sure before he moved to New York, like here is the hat that you love now in gray and burgundy (laughs) so that you always have this with you. Um, So really it's a, it's about, that intention and putting that that love out into the universe oh wonderful um i wanted to go back uh you're saying obviously your your output from your blog it seems that you're you're knitting all the time (laughs) which is incredible like all the designs that you're kind of getting through it's incredible um i wanted to sort of ask obviously you have a 
day job, as we said, Professor DWJ. Um, What sort of tips do you have for balancing uh, knitting with like a full-time profession? I tell people all the time. I I also credit the fact that I don't have children. I just have dogs and they are willing to sit down with me while I knit. Um, But I typically get in, I try to get in one to two hours of knitting every day, whether it's, I always have a project with me, always. So like yesterday I got to my office like 30 minutes early and I knit up a square for a blanket that I'm working on. Um, uh, or at lunchtime, I really love to like, you know, I'll eat my salad or whatever that I brought with me. And then um, my current office has a really beautiful atrium and big cushy chairs. So I'll go sit in the atrium and knit for 45 minutes to kind of clear my head or just, you know, you got to get away from your desk. And um, it's kind of this, it's a little bit of a reset for me. Um, or at night, usually that post dinner when my husband wants to watch something on TV for like an hour, hour and a half, then I'll knit then. Um, and the dogs will happily kind of cuddle up me. And I tell people all the time, I get seven, eight hours of sleep a night, I promise. Um, but in even little ways, like if I work from home and I know I have conference calls, it's a great time for me to knit. My students know when I give tests that uh, I'm going to knit while they're taking their tests at the front of the room. So usually before the test starts, I go, this is what I'm knitting. Here's the color. Don't ask me when you come drop your test off because I am probably counting stitches. <laughs> so it's it, I, I find ways to infuse it into my life all the time. You know, if I'm waiting for someone having coffee, then I'm going to pull out a tiny project that I can work on in the in-between. It sounds like you're the master of multitasking. These are all like perfect ways to incorporate it in. I mean, you don't knit 27 sweaters in one year by not always having your knitting with me. <laughs> and does that include, include dog jumpers within that? No. Oh. <laughs> last year, I think in total, I knit like 60 some odd items mm. by, by the count at the end of the year on the blog. And 27 of those were adult sized sweaters. That is, that's incredible. And with the dog jumpers, are you sort of riffing on your own pattern or do you use like a structure for that? It's a little bit of both. There's a awesome book um, about t- top-down knits for dogs and so that you can have them try it on and it as you go along. And it gives you kind of a great foundation. So I'll use that a little bit as a foundation. But then, like, with the Durumi tea, I kind of I kind of freestyled it a little bit with Jelly Bean because I wanted to get that yolk. <laughs> and that was the most important part is let me figure out next circumference for her and then I'll do the yoke and then from there I can just make tiny little sleeves and the rest is just a little body in the round and she's so little that it's it's fairly fast but so sometimes it's a little bit of um merging a pattern from that book top down um knits for dogs and sometimes it's just me sitting down doing the math the very first sweater I made for jelly bean was a copy off of my Angelina sweater um that was a super popular uh, one and it, I loved the cables at the top and just was like, well, I she loved this yarn. She this was her yarn pillow. Let me figure out the math and if I can make these cables tiny enough to make one for her. And I did. And I I took the pattern and just kind of really translated it down to be a super super small sweater. Amazing. It sounds like you're quite fearless with your knitting to just sort of riff on it like that. It's pretty. It's a good 
good way to be, I guess. It's fun. I don't wanna I don't wanna be afraid to try techniques. For a long time I was really afraid of color work and I don't know why. Um because I think sometimes we get stuck in our head or you hear people go, oh, this is so difficult. Or, oh, this looks so complicated. And this year I was just like, I, I knit a lot. I should be able to figure this out. And so I just sat down on Saturday morning with um, a stitch dictionary for uh, stranded knitting and was like, oh, this isn't bad. And so then I tried um, Darumi. No, I think, no, I tried Tecumseh first and then I did Darumi and then um, I did another colorwork sweater. And I did them all in cotton, which I didn't know until afterwards that people were like, doing them in cotton is really hard. But if you don't know that ahead of time, yeah, it doesn't seem that difficult. Um, so, and they look next, great. I'll so, some, I'll have to do some color work in wool soon since yeah. I haven't done that. But I, I try to do things so that I can wear it in my climate, and we definitely get summer here. And so I want to be able to wear something in cotton and still enjoy the knitting. Yeah. And you're, you're in Washington, right? I live right outside of Washington, D.C., um, in the in the Maryland, state of Maryland. But it's where I am is still considered the suburbs of D.C. Right. Okay. Good. Just for context for everyone to listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to finish up by sort of asking what's the best knitting advice you've received or, like, is there anything you wish you'd been told when you started knitting? Anything you want to pass on? I, the best thing someone ever told me was to just relax and and knit. Just try it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to frog it back or you'll start over. It's okay. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. We get so uptight about it. And sometimes I have to tell myself, like, chill out. Like, it's a dog sweater. Like, is Jelly Bean really going to care um, if she doesn't get this sweater? I don't think so. <laughs> um, and then what I like to tell people is, Explore the rainbow. Um, embrace color. Um, there are so many. Yeah, one of the articles that I loved in Pom Pom was about the loud slow fashion. Oh, I great. Like Thank that, you. That yeah. And that I don't really do neutrals. And um, like I'm one of those people who never owns black pants, except for like once every couple of years because something specific happens. And I'm like, oh, I have to wear black pants. You know, I, I wear I own red pants. <laughs> all in green and pink but so I always tell people like you know we spend all this time knitting and doing this and then sometimes people will only knit things in like neutrals and grays and browns and there is a place for that and I get that but there is nothing more fantastic than a gorgeous lipstick red jumper like there just there just isn't um or my sister's favorite colors are yellow and pink. And so right now I'm knitting her a sunshiny yellow cardigan to keep her warm in her super cold office. And, you know, I'm like, now she's the queen of a cream or a white colored sweater. But I also know that that yellow is going to look amazing on her and really brighten up her day. So yeah. I love to tell people, try a color, try color. If you always go for neutrals, try a color. You know, maybe start with something mild, like a soft pink. But just give it a go and and see how much happier and exciting it can kind of make you feel about your finished object. I have I have rainbow sweaters. I'm yeah. the queen of knitting a rainbow. Um, so I think that it's part of what makes it so joyous. It gives people this excitement because you see all this color. You know, you love the Darumi tea because it's it is a little neutral, but it's also got a really vivid red and a really vivid blue in there, and it and that kind of cheers it all up. Fantastic. Well, I feel like people, the major questions, people want going to know what your Instagram is so they can follow you to see all these cute 
uh, sweaters and everything. And also, um, we mentioned your blog. Could you just remind everyone, where, where can they find you if they want to see all this gloriousness? Um, so you can find me, my blog is yardsofhappiness.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter as call me DWJ. Uh, and on Ravelry, I'm actually DWJ1978. So oh, yeah, Ravelry's a good one, yeah. <laughs> I try and keep all those things up to date and with everything. So usually a lot of people find me through Ravelry. A lot of people find me through Instagram. Great. Well, we're so glad that we did. Um, Thanks so much for chatting with us. And we look forward to seeing what you make next. No, thank you. I appreciate it. So nice to meet you virtually. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. earlier in this podcast about unpicking the seam of Mm -hmm. words um so we are finding a little bit more about textile based phrases and i have a fun one they're always fun but i was um charmed by this one lydia yes bless your little cotton socks oh thanks why (laughs) that is the phrase (laughs) um what would you say this phrase meant people are not familiar with it um it's a kind of like, bless you, not in the um, sneezy sense. Um, <laughs> but then it's not particularly, it's not used in a religious way, I think. Bless your little cotton socks. It's kind of bless you as in kind of they're there, but not too patronising. I don't know how you describe it, because little cotton socks as well adds a kind of layer of like, oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. So it's, it's like, probably that you did something really sweet and helpful that you didn't need to do. Or a little naive, sort, yeah. of, sort of innocence yeah. uh, kind of. Yeah, well, did a little research. I'm mm-hmm. not 100% sure I found the exact like original of this phrase. There's a couple of different theories put forward, but I think they're very interesting. So uh, here we are. Oh, bless um, your cotton socks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the one general theory which makes sense is cotton socks are often worn by children. Mm-hmm. And expression uh, suggests like that uh, lack of guile. Uh, someone, you know, using this expression of someone, yes, there's that kind of, uh, it's just innocence, mm-hmm. much like a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, just a general, like, kids by cotton socks. There you go. Yeah. Another theory that's been put forward is uh, there was a bishop called George Edward Lynch Cotton. And he was a bishop of Calcutta in 1858. And he was a missionary. And he established lots of schools. And he sent them clothing. And he uh, sent them crates of socks, which seems like a bizarre kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, like, they're actually, uh, you know, trying to clothe and keep the kids warm. Well, anything that brought into a church has to be blessed. Right, good. So I randomly know this fact as well because there's footstools that were made by the Women's Institute in the church, like where I used to do brownies. Oh, and they okay. had to be blessed before they were brought into the church. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. You know, like tapestry yeah. things. Oh. Even that, so it's not even like the religious garb. Sure. This like tapestry made item. Anyway, I'm going down a tangent. <laughs> 
So it was uh, part of the the uh, routine mm-hmm. that these uh, cloth these socks would be blessed before they were given out. Ah. But uh, one member, apparently, the story goes, one member of staff uh, distributed the socks before their blessings. <gasps> And therefore, uh, the bishop didn't have time to bless the socks before giving to the children. So each shipment had a note saying, cotton socks for blessing. So the bishop was called Cotton, if you remember at the beginning of the story. Yeah. Um, and somehow through the linear of time, you know, the passage of the sands of mm. time, this became bless your cotton socks. I don't know okay. if I no, I, I feel like it's kind of a fun story. You know, it's got some interesting characters in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like the oops, staff member forgot to wait for the socks to be blessed. Um, but yeah, it does seem a little bit unlikely. It is a little bit of an unmet. I mean, I love it. Yeah. And I would encourage anyone to put forward their theories themselves if mm-hmm. they uh, are not convinced quite by well, you know, pretty extensive research, guys. But um, <laughs> there we go. That's uh, bless your cotton socks. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. Uh, indeed, we bless your cotton socks and your woolen socks. Of course, we if you have your own theories on this phrase, you can join in. We have the Ravelry group, search uh, for Pom find us there. We have Pomcast chats. Also, you can email us, which is podcast at pompommag.com. And uh, yeah, send us that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and if you have any ideas of any other phrases you would like Sophie to um, unpick, I'm then... stroking my chin there. <laughs> <laughs> then you can contact us through all the uh means that Sophie just listed. We'd love to hear from you as always. Okay, so now we come to the final segment of the show, one that has stood the test of time, the many years of the Pomcast. We've always rounded off with our top three, in which we pick a topic, often food-based, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and we list our favourites in numerical order. Maybe one day we should have a top three weather chat situations. Oh, that's very podcast next ready. podcast. <laughs> um, yeah we also love to hear your suggestions people suggest good things on the Ravelry forum we should go back yeah that's um, true yeah things you want us to rank <laughs> yeah <laughs> then you guys get involved and you say your folks and we love that um, but this theme this episode is top three summer snacks and Lydia said does that include drinks and I said yes so, <laughs> things consumed in the summer I think we've done summery drinks before but the thing is is that as the years go by you change, you know, maybe you come across a new snack. Yeah. Also, this summer, I don't know if we've mentioned, but it's been very warm. <laughs> we've been embracing new techniques to stay cool, so... Exactly. Um, so, uh, shall I go first? Shall Please, I kick off my summary snacks? All right. Well, I found this very difficult because I could literally only think of one thing for ages, and I think that's just because that's what I want right now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, here's what I've come up with. Here's my list. Okay. At number three, this is why I asked about drinks. Because recently, okay, a little bit of background. I don't really like white wine. I know I've skipped straight to alcohol. <laughs> but in the summer, people tend to switch maybe to drinking white wine rather than red. Traditionally drunk cooler. Exactly. Often it's chilled. Maybe you have a white wine spritzer. Bit of a fan of those. You can, you know, maybe have some ice in it, for example. This is very acceptable. I don't really like you, white you wine. You blow my mind. <laughs> um, and I don't massively like rosé either. Which is a shame because it's I've heard three, of not- rosé. It's not top three things I don't like. <laughs> anyway, the point is that I recently discovered that red wine with ice in it is delicious. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was making fun of you, but now I'm like, oh, what? 
So, which, which, witchcraft you speak <laughs> So, um, yeah, this was born out of necessity because I wanted to drink red wine. <laughs> necessity. Born out of the fact that I didn't really want to drink white wine and had some red wine, but the red wine was too warm because it's too hot. <laughs> Sophie's laughing. I'm like, my head, like, my head's right in my hands, like, okay. And then I was like, in fact, it was somebody else who told me about this. They said, actually, red wine with ice in is quite good. And I thought, what? That's crazy. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it. Because, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And guys, it was fine. It was, in fact, very delicious. And it sort of uh, opened up a whole new world of red wine drinking in the summer. And that's number three. All right. It's not really a snack. I mean, kind of a snack. I don't know. Summer refreshment, we should yeah. phrase this as. Yeah, so that's number three. And I mainly want to talk about it because it's been a revelation for me. Okay. I feel like other people maybe should give it a go if they drink wine, if that's something that you do. Perhaps of an evening with your knitting. Who knows? Put a nice cube in there. Uh, if it's terrible... You've wasted a glass of I'm wine. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Palm it off on somebody who, I don't know. Isn't it like very diluted? Well, I guess if you drink it quite slowly, yeah. But it's a bit, you know, if you have white wine spritzers... Yes, you do dilute it a bit, but actually that's maybe quite nice. It doesn't even, it just feels quite summery. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm I know not, you're not convinced. Uh, maybe I need to open my mind to it one day and I'll order it at the next bar I go to. <laughs> They'll be like, get out. <laughs> so, yeah, so then I started with the controversial okay. one. I'll now right. move on to much less controversial items. At number two, I've gone for my favourite summer salad. I know, it's not really a snack. No, 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 because but... I have a favourite summer salad. Ooh. Okay, my favourite summer salad... Oh, in fact, there are kind of two. But I've gone with the one that has oranges in because I find oranges to be almost the perfect summer snack because they're full of, like, sugar and stuff, you know, maybe a bit hot and overwhelmed, help to kind of pep you back up again. And they're delicious and juicy and they like, bright orange, so they feel like summer. Just... I love everything about oranges. Wait, what colour? <laughs> um, so, I like to make a very simple salad with basically just oranges and very thinly sliced fennel okay and you just kind of put them together and the orange soaks into the fennel mm. a bit and just slightly you know if you put something acidic um what does it call like macerate it it just slightly cooks it almost not really cooks but it softens it um and you know maybe you can add a little bit of olive oil maybe a little bit of tiny bit of lemon juice you don't want to overpower the orange uh, a bit of pepper that kind of thing. That sounds it's good. Really, really good. And yeah. it's incredibly simple because it's not really cooking. It's just slicing some things and putting a little it on a shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had that on my mind this morning. So that's got in there at number two. Like it, yeah. And at number one, I've gone for ice lolly. And I'm going to specify my most recent favourite ice lolly, but I think it's worth mentioning that ice lollies are one of my top three foods of all time. <laughs> For me, they come under ice cream, but more specifically for summer, it's got to be fruity. Oh yeah, ice lolly isn't an American thing. What is it? Popsicle? Is that a thing? Yes. Is that useful to say? Yeah. Basically, what I'm referring to is a frozen item that is icy, not creamy. So it could be many fruity flavours. My current favourite is one that I had in Berlin over the weekend, which was there was like a really cute little um, sort of... Uh, like an ice cream stand, I guess, but with ice lollies instead. Mm -hmm. Paletas, which is like the Spanish sort of... I don't know if it's used in Spain as well, but definitely in Mexico, paletas are like ice lollies, but like really fruity. They have big chunks of fruit in them, and often people just make them at home, and they're amazing. So more specifically, paletas, because then you get exciting, you know, maybe a whole chunk of pineapple, that would or, be good. you know, yeah. and it just it kind of adds a little bit extra. 
So the one I had over the weekend was lemon and cucumber. I had big slices of cucumber in it and it was so refreshing. Um, and just really in a moment of being very, very warm, it was, and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that's exactly what I needed. Totally go for a cucumber right now. Yeah, I love cucumbers. So, uh, that's my top three summer snacks. Well, I'm feeling cooler and more refreshed already. Just, <laughs> just with, talking about it. Just for the thought of a red wine with some ice in it. Top three for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go straight in with something that's a recent discovery of mine, oh. which is horchata. Very good. More Mexican things. Yeah, exactly. Just to stick with the theme. Um, and we have started making our own. So you said, where did you first have horchata? Um, interest. I have only had it from this recipe that we made, so I do not think oh. it is probably the most authentic Mexican version. No, no, I was just curious because it's not the easiest thing to get hold of necessarily. Yours is no. probably better than a lot of, like, if you make it at home. Yeah, which... well, I've never come across it other than mm. in a Vampire Weekend song. Ah. Uh, which, of course, is a good <laughs> reference for most things. Uh, yes. <laughs> Vampires, weekends. Yep, exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like a, rice cold rice drink with mm-hmm. like a bit of cinnamon mm-hmm. uh like we've made ours with like rice and almonds and Ooh. like soak it and then yeah. you like blitz it and then you strain it so it's a bit of effort for a delicious icy drink but oh boy is it delicious and creamy and icy i should do that i've got a blender now there you go because it's the sort of thing that if you don't have a blender for example you can get like powdered or chatter like to oh, yeah? sort of mm-hmm. i mean it's okay. you know i think yours like i said i think yours is probably a bit better but you can mm. you can get like ready-made Stuff. I've also heard people making it with like oats instead of rice. Right. Okay. Like yeah. I'm just at the beginning of yeah. this discovery of the icy drink. Mmm. Uh, delicious. Yeah. So that's uh, three. Good. Uh, number two, go for a salad as well. Mm-hmm. Watermelon and feta. That was my other favourite. That well, was the other one that was in my what, mind. That's what you're gonna say. Just yeah. Lumps of watermelon, lumps of feta, maybe some olives. Throw those in. Maybe a bit of mint. Ah. Oh. And you're done. See, because I uh, recently had a watermelon festival where I bought a watermelon and made that salad and also mm. made watermelon gazpacho, which was delicious. But yeah, no, that's my other favourite summer salad. Good choice. Easy to make, easy to eat. Done. Yum. Uh, number one is something I had recently, which was coconut ice cream. <gasps> and it had actual, like, bits of, like, desiccated coconut in it. I'm just thinking about it right now. I go, you know, I'm sorry you guys can't try it. I mean, I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. There's an ice cream place uh, in Angel near where Loop is mm-hmm. uh, on Upper Street. This is very exciting for everybody. But the point is that, and I'm pretty sure this is a chain that exists outside of London as well. Right. I think it's an Italian, Italian, is it Italian? doesn't matter. The point is that you pay for the size of ice cream you want. And you can have as many flavours as you want. And they build your ice cream with like petals, like oh, a flower. yes. And that was pretty amazing. I'm not yes. going to lie. That was, I had like, raspberry and blackcurrant and chocolate sorbet chocolate sorbet guys it's delicious i know annie's always talked to me about the places in san francisco that just like she said you queue around the block to have like saffron and rose and like oh, i'd have to like mm. try out, oh, let's go get ice cream come on guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah so on that note we hope that you have many ice creams and if it's not as sunny and warm where you are then have it anyway enjoy your knitting like <laughs> <laughs> or i don't see the problem with ice cream as a winter thing or a, I don't know not everybody likes it what to eat cold things when they're cold oh, anyway <laughs> hopefully we've covered all caveats for this uh, podcast 
podcast. <laughs> we'll see you next month uh, for more fun chats, more updates on Pom Pom. Hey, issue 26 will be out. We'll talk about that. Ooh, moon things. Will it still be warm? Yeah. Will I have made another pair of socks? Will Sophie have eaten more coconut ice cream? Yes. How many baby hats will Sophie have made? All these things you will discover in a month's time. We look forward to uh, chatting to you then. Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for this show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly, and thanks also to the whole Pom Pom team. You guys know who you are. We keep mine. <laughs> Thanks to our interviewee, Dana Williams-Johnson, our sponsors, Indie Untangled, and a big thank you to all you pom-pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop, pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com and don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. <laughs>